we have vernacular phrases. Today we're going to be jumping into everyday good news every day. We all need some good news. And you know, with this being everyday kind of thing, I want to introduce you to an everyday person that I have come to love. He is a member of Squirrel Hill Christian Church, and he literally comes and sees us almost every day. Um, and he is Mr. Ron, and he has been a huge blessing. So Mr. Ron, if you would come on up. Mr. Ron, man, let me tell you, we love Mr. Ron. Mr. Ron, I'm going to open your Bible up. Mr. Ron's going to read for us the scripture, but Mr. Ron has this incredible heart for the Word of God, and he has this incredible heart for prayer, and he has humbled myself and Zach many times just by sharing his heart with us um, related to his heart for scripture and prayer, and so I wanted him to come, and he has this this one psalm that he is going to talk to you about a lot because it has really just worked in his heart, and that is Psalm 91. And that's what we're preaching from today. Honestly, we're, we're preaching from Psalm 91 because Mr. Ron brought it up so many times that I was like, man, I, I got to preach out of this thing or I feel like Mr. Ron's going to get me. So he's going to share with us uh, Psalm 91, um, 14 through 16. So if you would, if you want to turn in your Bibles, if you have them, there's some in the pews in front of you. Um, if you don't, it's also going to be up on the screen. But if you would, we stand for the word, the reading of the Word of God because we stand on the foundation of the Word. This is not what Chris says. This is not what Zach says. We stand on the foundation of the word because it is, it is what God says. It tells us clearly about who he is and it points us clearly to his son. So I've got the microphone right here. So Mr. Ron, take it away. Let me, it does my heart good to see so many people fill in this sanctuary. You are an answer to prayer. You really are. But, uh, let me just say this too, for the last year or more, God's been laying the book of Psalms on my heart. And so it, it just touched me and moved me so much. So, okay, here we go. Psalms 91, 14, 15, and 16. Because he hath set his love upon me, therefore will I deliver him. I will set him on high because he hath known my name. He shall call upon me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life will I satisfy him and shrew him my salvation. Okay. Go ahead and pray. Okay. Please bow your heads. Lord, we just humbly come before you. You bestowed such a beautiful day on us. We are grateful in some way, but our hearts hurt for the 20th anniversary of when our country was attacked. Some evil people choose to attack us. And I ask that during this week when you pray that you would keep the family and friends and co-workers of all those who lost a loved one in that awful, awful day. So, Lord, we thank you that you are there 24 and 7, that you don't take so much as even a coffee break, that your door is always open, your light is always on. And as the book of Psalms says, we need not fear or be afraid, even when we get hit with a pestilence, that he will even send his angels to be in charge over us, to lift us up 
in their hands. And so many times, maybe people think about being a Christian is dull. I don't know about you, but I think that is so cool that here, each of us standing here has an angel that are, has it, you in the palm of their hands. What a blessing that is. And like I said, God's door and light is open 24 hours a day. There's never the equipment failure or a power outage. And he hears and answer each and every prayer. And Lord, that you always have room for one more and one more and one more. We just need to have faith and trust in you. Lord, according to Old Testament Jewish law, for there to be forgiveness of sin, there had to be the blood of a sacrificial lamb. Lord, you sent your son Jesus to be that sacrificial lamb, perfect in every way. And he endured so much that we could have our sins and our transgressions forgiven. And he always has room for one more and one more. And we just bring our sins and transgressions sitting at the foot of the cross at Jesus' feet. And one day there shall be a shout and the angel of the Lord will sign the trump. The, the graves will be opened. The dead in Christ will be called up first. And those who are alive and remain will be called up next. And we will go and be with the Lord, see him face to face, and walk and see those streets of transparent gold. And we pray this all in the precious name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. And everybody said, amen. Amen. All right, you may be seated. Thank you, Mr. Ron. I'm going to give you your word, Mr. Ron. There it is. All right, so we're going to be unpacking again Psalm 91. One thing that's always been fascinating to me is the marketers, marketers and advertisers and kind of how they like spin these narratives to demonstrate to you what you need based on your, your emotions. And, you know, there's these, there's these slogans that begin to stick out to us because our marketers and advertisers that, that work for these massive companies do this, this spin to, to engage you in certain ways so you won't forget and you're going to buy their product or you're going to do this because you have this need that you have to be met. And so I wanted to see if, if y'all are as smart as I was with a quick quiz because there's a couple slogans that kind of stick out to me related to some things. And so I didn't know, I, I saw this one slogan, it was called the happiest place on earth. Does anybody know what the happiest place on earth is? And it's not Distillers, football, Disney. Well, Disney World, or actually, happiest place on world in, uh, on Earth is actually Disneyland. Um, so they kind of get us with that happiness thing, and so. You know, we all want to be happy, so we're like, you know what, I'm going I'm to spend thousands of dollars for tickets to Disneyland, and I don't know about you, but if you are a parent in here and you've ever taken your kids to an amusement park, it's not the happiest time ever. Um, there seems to be a lot of yelling at times and frustration and complaining and caring of children and heat stroke and everything else. So, so Disneyland didn't do it for me, so they didn't really make me the happiest 
place ever. So, you know what, all right, I need some freedom then. If, if that's not going to be the happiest place, I need some freedom. I need to be in control. I need to have something where I can get away. And you know what, I am going to go and purchase for my freedom the ultimate driving machine. BMW, yes. So BMW is the ultimate driving machine, and you can get a BMW for the low price of whatever it is, which I can't afford, and I'm going to get out on the open road and have my freedom, and then I'm, when I have to change that flat tire, I'm going to realize, dang, I missed again. I don't have the freedom that I wanted, and then say, so you know what, you know, okay, let me go to the safety route because that's a need that I have, the safety route. So I need to have safety and security and make sure that everything's taken care of. So I know that I am in good hands with Allstate. Yes, and then something happens and you insure your house, so you need safety for that. And you're like, man, I'm in good hands. I got to pay what for the deductible? It's, it's how much? How much is that? So, you know, we, we, we kind of buy into these things because we're like, man, we've got these needs that we have to be met. And so we figure out ways to meet these needs. So we plug in these physical items or these purchases or these, these services um, for what it might be. And, you know, once we get past these physical needs, there's, of course, these level of emotional needs that they connect it to, that, that need for safety, that need for security, that need for all of this other stuff. And we realize really quick, just like at Disney World, just like with the BMW, just like with insurance, just like with anything else, man, I'm short of some stuff. The need keeps coming back. And, you know, it's easy for us to bust on consumerism. You know, there's a term now when we buy things or we do things, and we have this thing called buyer's remorse. So it's easy to kind of bust on the retail side of things and, and retail therapy and all that. Like, we know, okay, whatever. I can't just accept these Amazon packages forever. You know, my wife is going to cut off my Amazon um, account sooner or later. And so, you know, we, we kind of go about this doing this in other ways. Maybe it's not purchases. So I've got this, this, this cool chart up here. I did some research into our emotional needs. And, you know, we're going to call these our felt needs, our, our things that we, we feel that we need met. And so one of the, the first ones is, you know, we kind of, there's, you know, different research Articles are going to break it down to the 16 top emotional needs or the 25 top emotional needs. So I tried to narrow it down as best I could based on the research I did. So we're going to throw them up here. So one of the first ones, we need to be, we need to have like know what our self is and be cared about. It's important to have that care. So what do we do? Well, we, we develop friendships. That a bad thing? Not at all. We move to safety. If it's not safe in the city, we move to the suburbs. If it's not safe in the suburbs, we move to the city. We, we go towards safety because we need that safety. We need that self-care. And then the next one, kind of busted on this with the ultimate driving machine, but we need to be free. We have this emotional desire to be free, to be cared about, to be in control. And so what do we do with that? Is we'll, We pay for experiences. We, we go on long, crazy hikes in the woods because we need to be free or we, we, we pay for this vacation to get away to be free or we, we try to create this financial freedom by paying off all our debt. Is that a bad thing? Absolutely not. But it's something a lot of times we do so we can be in control. We can have the reins. We, we look for promotions at work. We want to be in control. So if we move up the ladder a little bit, then we're in more control. And anybody that has moved up the ladder a little bit and realized you're in, in control a little more, you realize... Oh man, I'm in control of more people. 
And so here we go. So that need's not quite met. So then we go and we realize we have these emotional needs of being helpful or needed, being useful, being productive. So what do we do for that? We support nonprofits. Great thing to do. We, we go find service projects to do. We recycle. If we, we really want to be needed and, and we're in a relationship, we, we have kids. Man, let me tell you how that goes. Um, then we work hard. We want to be productive, so we work extra hard and we get in that cycle of hard work and hard work and hard work and hard work and check all your emails and guess what happens the next day there's still more emails there then we go to being accepted the desire to be accepted appreciated value trusted what are some things we do well we don't buy things we join a social club we try to find people that think like we do act like we do are like we are and we kind of jump into that and realize, man, they're kind of aggravating. Or we, we get into maybe a romantic relationship. And I, I tell you, as wonderful as my wife is, there's, you know, that's work. A lot of work at times. So I'm still struggling to meet that sometimes. And then, you know, the last couple is being supported, being understood. What do we do to do that? We don't go buy things. Sometimes we, we go to counseling. We, we want to feel that support. We want to feel that, that understanding. Or we, again, go the relationship or friendship route. And so we, we make efforts, maybe not through consumerism, maybe not through buying things, but we, make, we take actions to meet these emotional needs, these felt needs that we have. And they're good. And then the problem is, though, is that the other needs continue to arise. My friend can't meet all my needs. My wife can't meet all my needs. My counselor can't meet all my needs. And I still have this like hole that still needs to be filled. So I try to buy something. No, that didn't work either. I try to do this, this experience. It still didn't work either. And so we've got a problem. We have a felt need problem. And so the objective of today is to identify the problem and then work to address the solution. And so every person today, this is our objective, every person here today can have their felt needs plus address. And I'm playing off the Disney Plus. We've seen this little thing come up a lot. It's not just our felt needs. There's something else there because we realize that our felt needs It's a struggle to get them addressed, but every person can have their felt needs plus addressed by resetting with the good news, by resetting with the good news. And so we are going to unpack, we're going to tear apart Psalm 91, diving into those last few verses, and we're really going to see, all right, what are these felt needs plus? I know what my felt needs are. What are my felt needs plus? Those things that I maybe not be paying attention to. And what can I do to get these things addressed? What is the good news that's going to address this? So Psalm 91, a wonderful psalm. And Mr. Ron, I am forever indebted to you for drawing my attention to Psalm 91. And so I challenge you this week to take some time reading Psalm 91. You can open the Word of God on your own. You don't need a priest or a pastor to do that for you. It is accessible for all of us. So I'm just going to summarize the first part. What is Psalm 91? Psalm 91 is a hymn of confidence. We have talked about a hymn of praise. We've looked at a hymn of lament or complaining or frustration. 
frustration, but now we're in a hymn of confidence. This is written for the children of Israel that are going into battle. So this is something that is being read to an army. So when you think about Psalm 91, what are you thinking about? You are thinking about the Braveheart speech. Is anybody old enough to even remember the movie Braveheart? Well, this is the Braveheart speech. This is They can't take away our freedom. This is the guys ready to go. This is big, rah-rah-based language. This is Tim Tebow when he was still in college at the University of Florida with his famous halftime speech in the national championship game, 30 minutes for the rest of our lives. These guys, when they hear this psalm, are ready to go to battle. And so it is big picture, victory-based language. But one thing I love about the Psalms, and this is where you've got to pay very close attention as you read, the voice changes in 91. And it goes from this like, let's go get them boys. We got God on our side to a very personal, very intimate address here from God himself. And that's where we pick up in Psalm 91. It, it's, it's personal, it's I statements, and it moves away from a right now we're going to win to an eternal perspective. So let's see how 91 plays out. So let's start unpacking 91. So if you would, I'm going to draw your attention back to Psalm 91, 14 through 16. And again, we've got emotional needs. We work to address these emotional needs God addresses these emotional needs right now. Let's see how he addresses them. So we look at verse 14. He says, Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him, for he acknowledges my name. And so here we know we have this emotional need of self, of safety, being cared about. We know that we need to move to safety. And so God promises here a rescue. We see a rescue here in verse 14, and then we move on. Can you click my slides over just a little bit, Sierra? That way everybody can see. There we go. So we see in verse 14, we see protection. He says, because he loves me, says him, I will rescue him. I will protect him. So we have, he said, he's acknowledging our emotional needs here. I'm going to take care of these. I know you have these needs, Here they are. Then he moves on into verse 15. He will call on me and I will answer him. He will call on me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and I will honor him. So we see here in verse 15, again, another acknowledgement towards our emotional needs. I will give you deliverance. If you want to be helpful, useful, productive, you need to do that in in a place where you can't do it on your own. I will deliver you from where you are and I will put you in a place to meet this emotional need. So here in verse 15, we clearly see that we can be delivered. But he goes on, he says, you know, okay, you want to be accepted and appreciated and valued and trusted? All right, I got you. I will bring comfort to you. I will provide comfort as well. I will provide honor. And because we want to be supported and understood, I will also provide access. If you call on me, I will answer. 
If you call on me, I'll answer. So here our emotional needs are met. But the thing is, he doesn't stop here. He continues on. Remember, now we're, we're, we're projecting forward with this eternal language. It's not just about the right now. These guys that he's talking to are warriors. The whole rah-rah speech makes sense. The whole intimate speech, the whole intimate change of voice does not. Because if I'm just going to be protected and rescued and delivered and comfort and have honor and have access to you, like, listen, God, like, I'm, I'm about to go fight a battle. Like, what? <laughs> this isn't happening in the right now anymore. God is making sure very clear to these warriors in, in, Israel, in Israel that there's this eternal thing that you have to take account for. These guys are about to go in battle. They're about to see their comrade. They're about to see their brothers. They're about to see their countrymen. Most likely, many of them, be killed in battle. So God changes the script. He changes the voice. He changes the focus off the right now. And he begins to focus on the eternal. And he says, hey, listen, I'm going to make sure not only are your felt needs met now, but I'm going to make sure your felt needs are met for eternal. And so we see these felt needs plus come up in verse 16 and he begins to see, begins to demonstrate that, you know, it's not just our emotional needs that we have. There's this other level. If we're just bodies, the needs are met, but we're also souls. There's something else there. And so we see our felt needs plus become our spiritual needs. And he addresses this in verse 16. And he says in verse 16, with long life, with eternal life, not just long life. These guys would have laughed at long life. They didn't sign up for this for a long life. They signed up for this to protect their country. They knew there was a chance that long life wouldn't happen. They weren't going to make it to their 60s and 70s and 80s. There was a chance they were going to fall in battle right now. So this long life here is, is referring to eternal life with long life, with eternal life. And then he says, I will satisfy him, eternal satisfaction, all of your needs met. And then he makes this statement, and I will show him, the person who calls on me, I will show him my salvation. I will show him that I will save him. And now this was 25 or 2,500 years ago, well before Jesus Christ, 3,000 years ago, sorry, where before Jesus Christ had come, these were, these were Jewish men, Hebrews, that were fighting political-based battles, that were in a religion, that were looking for a Savior. They were very in tuned with looking for salvation. And here he says, I will show him my salvation. I will show him that you don't have to work for this, that I will do this for you. And so when we have, we, I'm sorry, we all want these, these needs met. We all want this realization that our emotional needs are going to be met. And we all have this desire for something more. And we all want access to this. The thing is, we have to pay attention 
to the speaker here. The speaker is God himself speaking because he loves me. Because whoever it is, this is a a personal thing. The first part is written to the children of Israel. The last part is written to us, to everyone. Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will do this. We begin to see these I statements come in. So this is God talking directly to us. This is personal. This is singular. This is to you as a person with a heart and a soul. So we can take this as God is saying this to us. The promises are just that. They're promises. He'll follow through with them. So we have to ask, what is it going to take to get these promises? What is it going to take to latch on to these felt needs and felt needs plus being net? So let me give you the keys to the promises. Again, we find this in the text. We say in verse 14, it says, because he loves me. Now, it's, and we're going to actually use the word instead of love, we're going to say cleave, which cleave is kind of a different word even for us in our current day. But I couldn't find a better one that really summed up what this means because love in America in our English language is horrible. It's a horrible word to really picture something with because I love corn dogs. I love corn dogs. I could eat six corn dogs in one sitting. I love my University of South Carolina Gamecocks and I love my wife. But I don't love my wife like I love corn dogs. So there's some mess up here. So we got to like clean this up. So instead of saying love, because I don't want you to love like corn dogs anyway, we talk about it later. We We're going to use the word cleave because what is cleave? Cleave means that it's like a change of heart. It means that you want to be right up on something so bad that it's it's almost impossible to pull it apart. And here God's saying, if he cleaves to me, if he attaches himself to me, if that heart within him changes and wants to be with me so bad, then he will be able to accept the promises. Then he will be able to accept what I have for him. Then I will rescue him and I will protect him. And those is, these are what are offered to us if we're willing to cleave to him. What does cleave mean? Well, a word kind of came out later in the New Testament. It was called disciple was a word that came out. It might be something that you've heard in church before. What is a disciple? Well, a disciple was not necessarily a church-based word. We hear it a lot now in church, but a disciple was actually just a very common word that great teachers would have disciples. The disciples would be so close to their teacher, so close to the person that they wanted to be with, that they would literally accept, they would accept the dust off of the teacher's feet. That's how close their relationship would be. They wanted to be at a point where literally the dust from that teacher's feet would get on them and they would bag it up and keep it. You know, we can kind of relate that to fandom now where you have somebody maybe who, who loves a, a particular artist or, or a, a musician or a, a sports team, and no matter what that sports team does, they're following it. They're always there. They always know when the breaking news hits. They always know when this changes or they're going here, or their concert's there, or whatever it may be. They are constantly following whatever it is. They are cleaving to that whatever. And so God's saying here, 
and it's a heart-based thing, cleave to me. If he cleaves, then his heart will be at a spot where I can meet his needs. But he doesn't stop there. He also says, moving into the next thing, he says, because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him for he acknowledges my name. So if we cleave, and then there's a next step into acknowledgement. And my children just went to school this past week. Praise the Lord. They're in school. The heavens opened up and the, the angels shone down. They had not been in the school building in 18 months. Man, it was a glory. Almost camped out outside the school just to make sure they got in on time. Um, but I didn't do that. I, I contained myself. But, you know, my children will come home and say, hey, I met a new friend today. We, we played at recess. We sat next to each other in class. We shared our lunches. Oh, I just love my new friend. That's awesome, baby. What's their name? I don't know. <laughs> I'm like, how do you not know their name? That's kind of a basic thing, right? So that acknowledgement of their name, I have a best friend. You will get to meet him in October. He's coming up here. His name is Marshall. And I know Marshall. This goes more than just his name. When I, when I, I know what Marshall's going to think. I know what he's going to say probably before he's going to say it. We've been friends for right at about 25 years. I can finish his sentences. I know if he sends me a certain text in a certain way that I need to call him right now. And I know if he sends another text in another way that it's like, all right, I can hold off. I'll call him in a, in a little bit. And I acknowledge him. I acknowledge my friend Marshall. When I meet people, they remind me, their characteristics remind me of Marshall. Why? Because I have, because I have acknowledged him, because I know him, because I have this deep understanding of who he is over a period of time. And this is what God's saying to us as well. He's saying, if you cleave to me, if you're with me, if you open your heart up to me, if you try to tie your heart to me, you will become to know me. You will acknowledge me for who I am. You will see my character. You will know who I am. Acknowledgement. And we move into the last part, and then he continues. He says, I will, uh, verse 15, he will call on me, and I will answer him. Again, we have access. So we cleave, we acknowledge, and then we call. Imagine if you have a VIP for a, for a concert, a VIP card for a concert, and you don't use it. And you're like, you know what, I don't need that. I had a buddy of mine who had a huge cleaving uh, to a certain musical artist, I won't say names, but a very big musical artist, especially back in the, the late 90s and early 2000s. I'm showing my age of a little bit right there, but he had, I think he's gone to 27 of this guy's concerts. It's Dave Matthews, I'll just say it, Dave Matthews, Dave Matthews band. So he loved Dave Matthews, and just randomly one day, he was, I think, in the grocery store and he was just standing in line, and, and him and his, him and his um, friends were talking about going to the concert. And they're like, and the guy in front of him just turned around and said, hey, are you going to the concert tonight? He's like, yeah. And they're like, well, I am so-and-so that works with Dave Matthews. He's like, oh, man, are you serious? They're asking questions. And he's like, what can I do to get backstage? And the guy said, you really want to get backstage? 
And he's like, man, I'll do anything to get backstage. Like, I'll give you money right now if you can get me backstage. And the guy kind of looks around, looks over his shoulder. He goes, when you go up to the ticket booth and you go to scan your ticket, all you got to say is, where's Darnell? He's like, what? He said, just say, where's Darnell? And he was like, there's no way. Where's Darnell? Yes, where's Darnell? And so sure enough, man, he's like, I don't think this is going to work. There's no way this is going to work. So all fired up, going to the concert, hands the person his ticket, and he goes, hey, where's Darnell? Just knowing that the guy was going to be like, what? What are you talking about, Darnell? Now the guy goes, you know Darnell? He said, yeah, where's Darnell? And he goes, follow me. And he got taken backstage, got to meet, you know, and it goes on. But what if he wouldn't have used that access point? What if we wouldn't have called on that particular benefit? What if he had access, if he was cleaving, he was a huge fan, he acknowledges Dave Matthews, he knew who he was, but what if he didn't use that benefit? What if he didn't open his heart enough? Just like God's telling us here, man, you're cleaving, you're acknowledging, now call on me. Your heart's at a spot that you can accept the promises that I have for you. Now, the thing is, as we have to realize is, the promises, again, go deeper than just our physical felt needs. And the beautiful thing is, every person in here can have their felt needs plus addressed by resetting with the good news. Well, the good news about this is, is that all it takes is for us to cleave, acknowledge, and call. Because the same picture that we see here in Psalm 91 is the same picture that we see of Jesus on the cross. And just some practical advice when you're reading Scripture, you're not the hero of Scripture. It's not about you. Scripture points to the satisfaction of all of our needs through Jesus Christ. And how do we access that? Well, we access that. How do we access the the beauty that there is in Jesus? We access that through cleaving to him. And again, that's not physical work. That's not checking boxes. That's not being good enough. Because as we try to fulfill our own emotional needs, what happens is we just see that we have more emotional needs to be met. So the cleaving is not a physical thing. The cleaving is a heart-based thing where we say, you know what, I got nothing left to do. (laughs) Jesus, whatever you did on the cross, that's what I'm going to attach to. I'm going to acknowledge you as Savior And it says in Romans 10, 9 and 10, if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, if we acknowledge that Jesus is Lord, and we believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, if we we acknowledge the fact that we serve a supernatural God that can do supernatural things, we can be saved. We can have our felt needs, our not just our temporary needs met, but we can have our eternal needs spiritual needs met as well. And then we utilize that card. And so we see that our felt needs, our felt needs plus, 
are satisfied on the cross. And the good news about that is we don't have a checkbox we have to put. We don't have an action we have to physically take. We can't be good enough. You can't meet your own needs. That's something that was done for you on the cross. And so it takes our cleaving and our acknowledgement and our acceptance and calling of that for it to happen. And so that brings us to what our action step is today. So what can you do with this? Well, the beautiful thing is the first question that you have to ask yourself is, am I connected to Jesus? If Jesus is the satisfaction of all scripture, am I connected to Jesus? Do I have this relationship where I'm cleaving to him, where I'm acknowledging him and I'm, I'm, I'm diving in to know him more deeply? And am I calling on him in times of need? Are you connected to Jesus? Well, you have two answers to that. Yes or no? So let's start with no. So no, I'm not. All right, what do you do? Well, I think there's two logical things that you can do. Number one, do you have any questions? Because asking questions is a great thing. We are in an, a cultural environment where asking questions is like slapping someone in the face. And the beautiful thing that, based on the Word of God, truth need not fear scrutiny. If it is true, we can press into it. And so if we believe the Bible is true, then we need to be willing to accept questions about the legitimacy of Scripture. So you might have questions. You might not be ready to say, you know what, yes, I'm going to confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord, and I'm going to believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead. But I do have questions about that. Great. I am glad you do. And I'm still waiting for someone to take me up on my free lunch offer by sending me an email or text message, I would love to buy you lunch or coffee or whatever else to answer any questions you may have because you're going to make me better. So do you have questions? That's fine. If you want questions answered now here in just a little bit, there's going to be some people over in this room. Just act like you're going to the bathroom and there'll be some people with a, got any questions or what does it say? I don't even remember what the little tag says. It's going to say something. Do you, can, how can I help? So there it is. So it, if you see someone that on, ask them questions. It's fine. That's what we're here for. Because we're all learning and growing together. What else? Well, maybe you don't have any questions. And you know what? I, I am ready to take the next step. I am ready to confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead. I am ready to be saved. I am ready to take the next step. Same thing. Act like you're going to the bathroom. We stand up here in a minute. And there will be some people back there to answer your questions and talk to you about that. Now, on the other side, are you connected to Jesus? You may say, yes, I'm connected to Jesus. Great. Guess what? If Jesus is the fulfillment of all that Scripture writes about, then we need to be connected to this constantly. We need to constantly go back to the need to cleave and acknowledge and call. And so one of my favorite theologian says, preach the good news or preach the gospel to yourself daily, every day, good news, every day. It's not just for people that are disconnected from Jesus, but it's also for us that are. You know why? Because I am a horrible, awful sinner. Probably the chief among anyone in here. Well, maybe Zach. We, we have fights about that sometimes. But I am a horrible, awful sinner. And I need to be reminded constantly of the good news. You know why? Because I get super prideful. So when I get super prideful, I have to remind myself that 
Therefore, I'm sorry, when I go this Luke 18, I'm not going to go through all these verses, but I just put them up here because these are four among many that will point you back to the good news. I have to be like the, the tax collector in Luke 18, 13. Have mercy on me, O God, for I am a sinner. I am not as good as I think I am, but you are still good. Or when I do mess up, which is often, and I beat myself up for it, and I can't forgive myself, and I can't accept the grace that has been given to me to meet my felt needs plus, to meet my spiritual needs, I do Romans 8.1. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Chris, you're not condemned. You have been forgiven. You have your eternal needs met. And so write down the other verses, go through those. If, if I challenge you, if you are connected to Jesus, you also need the good news every day. You are a sinner saved by grace that we do not deserve, but has been freely given to us. And if that's not good news, I don't know what is. So here in just a minute, we're going to move into a time of worship. We're going to move into a time of communion as we focus on the greatest example that we've ever been given of love and care and humility um, through the death of Jesus Christ. But just want to just kind of throw it out there, a confession to you on this is this past week, I, I'll just tell you in the past couple weeks, I've been in a, in a really good spot. And sadly, really good spots for Chris Richards aren't really good places for me because I get very apathetic and very prideful very quick. And I was reading in Psalms, the later chapters of Psalms, finishing up my, my Psalm reading plan. And the reminder that Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of all that scripture talks about hit me really hard. And I kind of had to come to a point that just that refocusing to say, man, have mercy on me, God, for I am a sinner. Man, Jesus, what you did for me, I did not earn, but I freely accept. And so just standing here before you today, letting you know that even as now a pastor and a preacher, man, I need this. And I need you to remind me of this as well as brothers and sisters in Christ because I'm not above this and this week luckily <laughs> I dropped my pride and accepted it so I challenge you too to do the same so let's pray and then we'll dive into communion and then into worship Heavenly Father we praise you because you did it for us um, you you have met our emotional needs. You have met our many times physical needs. But most importantly, you have met our, those felt needs plus, those needs that go beyond just what we feel, those spiritual needs of eternal satisfaction and eternal salvation. Um, so we lay it down to you and we praise you because of what you did. And we thank you that all of us in this room can have our felt needs and more addressed by simply resetting ourselves with the good, with the good news. Um, we love you. We ask all this in your name. Amen. Amen.